0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blitz period. And this week, we've got another former player roundtable. This time, we've got former Oklahoma wide receiver Quentin Chaney and former OUD lineman Alonzo Dotson. And we're hoping to have former OU wide receiver Mark Clayton join later on down the road. But uh, we thank you guys for tuning in once again. Uh, fellas, thank you guys for joining. Go ahead, say what's up, and let everybody know where you're where you're at and what you're doing now.
1: I'll go first. Uh, how's it going? Quinn Chaney. I'm uh, currently in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm living in the Tollison area right now. Been there for going on four years. um, working in logistics and operations. Um, so been out here with the family and enjoying our time out here on the West Coast now.
2: Yep. Alonzo Dotson, living in Carrollton, Texas, north of Dallas. I'm married with two kids. Um currently
3: serving as a national scout for the Buffalo Bills,
0: Big time, big time. So, um, fellas, as we mentioned, you both played in Oklahoma. You guys were there uh, at the same time that Brent Venables was there. And we all saw how this season went. Zoe, I know you were at the Bedlam game this year. Uh, and that was probably the best game they played all year. But uh, overall, not a great season, as we all know. I mean, we don't really need to rehash it. They end up going 7-6 and, and all this. But I want to know from for you guys being former players, what were what were your thoughts on the twenty twenty-two season? And, and and to add on to that, your thoughts on where it's headed going into twenty twenty-three because they put together a nice recruiting class. They're doing some work in the transfer portal and stuff like that. So
3: just go ahead and give us your t- I'll go. Um We definitely know the standard that comes with being Oklahoma football. And like you said, Jay, we don't have
2: to rehash it. I think that uh, this season really taught us patience and understanding what it is to build a program up. So much was taken from uh, underneath us in reference to the last regime leaving and, and taking, um, you know, talent with them. So when you're building from the ground up and starting over, the, the, this, this season, the 2021, I apologize, the 2022 season kind of reflects that, the record that we put up. So patience definitely was the word that I took away from what this season brought, understanding that the infrastructure and Coach Venables, Coach Levy. And what both sides are trying to do in playing complementary football. Uh, I think for the last 10 years, we've been kind of one sided as far as offensive, being an offensive juggernaut. So, understanding what comes with both offense and defense playing together. I thought this season you saw one side do, do better and the other side do better, but no one played really together. And I thought,
3: actually, that Oklahoma State game, you saw cotton football. So it just taught me patience, Jalen. For me, I would have to absolutely agree with what
1: Alonzo said. Um, Patience was absolutely one of the first things that I took away from it as well. But in addition to um, just having been – a former athlete, and going through, I guess you would say, the system, um, there is a such thing as BV guys. You know, there are guys that you have to be willing to buy in to a new system, a new culture, and change. And when you have certain players that have kind of been there, you know, been in university for some years under a different regime, the changes sometimes become shocking. And not everyone is willing to buy in in its entirety. It does take time. But as you mentioned, you know, they're doing some good things in the recruiting class and some things in the transfer portal. Um, But ultimately, I think it's going to take it's going to take some time. Um, You know, I, I told the wife, I said, give give BV about two years. Give him about two years to really implement himself, which last year was year one. And then this next year, when you get a recruiting class, get some of the guys that, you know, he's looking to really bring in, I think that'll change the the mindset and culture of what he's wanting to do there at the university versus the way things were previously. And to Alonzo's point, uh, you had a lot of offensive, I guess, minds that were really pushing the offensive side, whereas you got a different head coach now that's – He's a defensive guy, so that changes the way that some things are going to be viewed and some things are going to be recruited. Because me personally, I always believe. I mean, you should. Everything starts with the defense first. Defense stops, offense. Then you get a chance. So I think that's going to take some time, but I think ultimately it's it's going to happen. You know, I'll I'll say after year two, next year after get some guys in and see the things that need to be
3: done. It'll ultimately be what coach V is all about in success, growth of young men and development.
0: Yeah. And, and see, you guys made some points that really, I've been trying to make a lot, even on this show of how, you know, it's going to take time because I don't think people quite understand how much they truly lost. I mean, you lost, you lost the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, and he kept you in a ton of games a season ago. Of course, you lost your head coach. You lost a lot of staff people. I mean it. It was it was an absolutely gutted program. And then you expect this guy to come in and keep it the same way. Obviously, he's trying to, but it's also difficult to do. Is because well, like you said, Q. I mean that the the BV guys things is so true because one of the things that I read all the time is wait until BV gets his guys in. Wait until B V gets his guys in. And you can even see it just by watching a player on film. Like, yeah, that's the kind of player that 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 would play for a Brent Venables football team. And like I can tell you this just from a lot of the defensive guys that he's recruited. Some of the linebackers, some of the D-linemen they've picked up, these guys are physical. They're 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 violent. They're they're getting to the quarterback by any means. They're getting to the ball carrier, I should say. By any means. So uh I mean it's gonna be exciting to watch this year just because of how how much. Is so new, but it's also a matter of if you can put that all together because I think the worst-case scenario for any OU fan to think about right now is what happens if this season is another disaster. So, you know, we're all hoping it can improve. We all think it's going to improve, but uh, we're going to take it back for a little bit. So, Zoe, you came in OU in 2003. Actually, tomorrow, I think, would be the anniversary of your commitment in 2003. And then, um Q, you came in in 2004. So I want you guys to take us back a little bit and and talk to us a little bit about your recruiting process when you first started talking to Oklahoma, whether it was Bob Stoops or any other coach on the staff, and then what was it that really that really told you this is home?
1: Yeah.
2: Um
0: I let yeah, I let Alonzo start with this one first.
1: <laughs> Since I have some ties of my story with him. So yeah.
2: It's some good memories by uh it's, Jalen, the Bedlam game that you saw saw me and my family, actually. We were there, and um, that was the first time I got to bring my family to a game. And I saw Coach Stoops on the field, and Drake was uh, getting awarded for senior night, correct? Mm -hmm. And so I I saw Coach Drake, and then Isaac was on the field, and Mrs. Stoops was there. And so uh, Dewey Selman was with me, and we went over to talk to Coach Stoops. And he was around, Coach Stoops was around his core family, and I, I pulled him to the side, and I said, times have changed. The last time I saw you guys, Coach Stoops was picking me up from the airport, and both you guys were in the back seat. Yeah, it, was a, it was a minivan. Uh, <laughs> Coach Stoops came and picked me up from himself on my recruiting visit, on my recruiting visit in a minivan, and um, I can tell you right there, I knew it was on. Um it was the 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 end zone or the uh not the end zone, but the uh the east side, the second okay. level, it, it wasn't built yet. They yeah. were the, the cranes and uh, all the construction was just going up. And so you could see the infrastructure being built up and what the future was going to look like. <laughs> Coach Bobby Jack Wright took me to Waffle House. He didn't have any money because it was it was uh it was pay- well, you had to pay cash back then at Waffle House, and he didn't have any cash, and so that was my last day there. And he had to borrow some money from somebody to pay for our dinner, for our breakfast, and uh, and it, we laugh about it because he said, I, "I just knew you weren't coming when I didn't have any money." But the the fans just took care. You know, they knew who Bobby Jack Wright was so. Uh, and I'm actually friends with the, the, the guy who gave us money. I'm still friends with his daughter to this day, uh, Emily Citro, Mr. Mr. Citro. He took care of us. So mm-hmm. I think that further lets you know the community that Norman was back then and still is. It's just such a just family faith based city that you feel like home, uh, even when you don't go back for 10, five one year, it doesn't matter. Um, but I mean, I could talk to him blue in the face about my recruiting process. At the end of the day, I took three visits um,
3: Oklahoma, Texas, Colorado, and uh, Oklahoma was home. Well, for me, um, my recruiting process um, actually,
1: my recruiting, I'll say my recruiter was Coach Jackie Ship. Uh, Coach Ship recruited me out of high school. Um, granted, it was weird how I truly got, began to start getting recruited by OU, and it was because I was playing basketball. Um, had a few tournaments around the state, different coaches would come. Um, of course, with Coach Ship having so many ties throughout the state of Oklahoma, um, he knew some of my family, friends, things like that, kind of re- began recruiting me there. Um, I did have some other offers and opportunities. Um, When it's all said and done, I hate to say it now, but it came down to truly USC and OU were my last Mm -hmm. two choices that I was going to um, decide on as far as a commitment. Um, I had a visit set up for USC around, I believe it's around Thanksgiving or Christmas time. Oh, actually it was around Thanksgiving, um, say 2003. Um, But instead of going on that visit, I actually played in a basketball tournament with my high school team in Houston. Um, we lost the tournament, however, I hit the game winning shot for us to win third place. So I was like, okay, didn't take my visit. Well, get a game winning shot. Move forward to that, um, I was took my visit to OU, actually took my physical visit to the University of Oklahoma, um, Your dad, Tristan uh, Ross, was my host and Alonzo was also my co-host, I should say, on my visit when I went to OU. Um, Had never met these guys, had never heard of them, was literally just, you know, going on a visit because I had an opportunity. And from the time that I got to Norman until I left, and even once I committed I knew that the reason that Alonzo was there and the reason that your dad was there, um, Jalen, was because of the culture and the atmosphere that encompassed in that team. It was a true family. Me being the only child, being from Oklahoma, not really getting out of the state, doing a lot of vacationing and things of that nature, for me, I was always, always about sports and team. And that was one thing that I saw that on my visit, wherever we went, wherever Alonzo took me and uh, Corey Bennett, who was also on the visit at that time, and your dad, where we went, every single one of the older guys, one of the players, even some of the friends that they knew that they had met on campus, they viewed us as if we were literally just already on the team. We had made friends. And to this day, um, I believe, I mean, I, have a lot of lifelong friends from committing at OU and just the whole process, this, everything was just, it just felt welcoming. So that was, you know, the big reason why I decided to choose OU.
2: And I'll say my recruiter, um, the people who recruited me, my recruit was, uh, Ronaldo works. I'm still good friends with to this day. Uh, works was my recruit, my host. And, um, He took me. I didn't. I came when it was. They had just finished the Rose Bowl, so they just finished, and no one was there. No one was on campus because I came late January or early January, and uh, works took me around town. I met D Straight, uh, Derek Straight, sorry, and um, uh, uh, Quinn and Griffin. Uh, We partied at at. Uh, works his friend's house at the time, and uh, is it who? Q is it RJ? Hey, RJ McCorder? RW oh, McCorder?
3: Oh, RW. Yeah,
2: yeah RW. Well, RW was in town.
1: so because like, he was at, he went to OSU.
2: Yeah, he went to OSU. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, yeah. High school with work.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
2: we, yeah, I, yeah, Those was my, yeah. Right. yeah. And so, <laughs> so, yeah, he was, all right. I think he had just went to the league. He mm-hmm. got to the NFL, so he came yep. back, and I just had a great night. And it, it, was, <laughs> it was home, it was home. And that was after going to University of Texas. They flew us, myself and another of crew. they flew us private, and they threw a big shindig, blah, blah, blah. And, man, when I came to Oklahoma, I, I flew Southwest Airlines. <laughs> Coach Soup came and picked me up himself, and that's all I needed.
1: Yeah. Hey, man, one thing I'll say, if you if you hanging out with what I call Dub and Buster, because that that's what I know him as, with RW and Ronaldo, yeah, and you had a good time.
2: I had a great time.
1: Yeah. Great time. Now, now, I can't say. I had a great time with you and uh, – and and interesting as well. I mean, this past, we were shown the way. Yeah. Hey, all I can say is, I mean, I won't go into details, but I don't think I've ever been at IHOP at 6 a.m. ever again <laughs> in my life. <laughs> before we knew, that's before we knew about it. Waffle House. Yeah. Yeah. IHOP, we was there. It was great. It was living lavish. <laughs> yeah, I had that per diem that y'all didn't want to give to us, but it's cool.
2: No, no, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh,
0: a lot of the stuff y'all mentioned is, is a lot of what we hear about now with uh, some of the official visits that happen. Because I don't think most people know these official visits really last days and days. And mm-hmm. the number one thing that a lot of these recruits talk about when, when you ask them why they picked OU, they immediately say it felt like home or it, w- it was family. And one of the things I thought was interesting and was awesome that Brent Venables did was he went out and he hired a big support staff because that was something that OU didn't have. It was something I think that Lincoln Riley wanted and a part of why he left because they wouldn't do it. But Brent had the opportunity to be not necessarily in the SEC, but he was around it. And being at Clemson, they were running that program practically like an SEC program where they had faces everywhere and he he's bringing a little bit of what they did there or a lot of what they did there to Oklahoma. And that was a big deal was having even a lot of former players because, I mean, some of your former teammates, Rufus Alexander, Curtis Lofton, uh, Josh Norman, a bunch of those guys are, are, are currently on the staff. Yo, a lot uh, of their hope. analysts. Yeah, yeah. Phil, big Phils on, maybe, uh, of course. Marco, John Finley. Man, I mean, man, I mean, yeah.
1: Coop yeah. just yeah, left, you know, right. Coop will be at North Texas yeah. now. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's a long list it's a who's who list of names of former players that are back around the program and that's been a big deal to to even you guys because you know they've had so many events with the former players they had last spring and mm-hmm. with the the soul mission stuff that uh josh norman is a part of and all that like it's it's a lot to talk about but it, it's clear to see why that's still a big deal to this day so now i do want to know and you did mention some of your other visits. So had it not been Oklahoma, what school would it have been and why?
3: So it, it's a, it's not a difficult answer, but I was going
2: to Texas AM. Uh growing up in Texas is either one or two schools you were going to at the time, and that was UT or uh, AM. And
3: I wanted to play for um their their coach at the time and he got he was he
2: quote unquote resigned. And uh they brought in Franchoni, Dennis Franchoni from Alabama. And the, Alabama was recruiting me at the time, and I just couldn't do it. And so when RC Slocum, when he left um and resigned, I just I opened like I just, I just said, okay, I'll open The window to any, you know, whomever it was. So I was going A and M, no matter what. And then when they fired their RC Slocum, I couldn't do it with. And going to UT wasn't an option for me at all. Anyway, so (laughs) just that wasn't the team to go to for me. So when I opened it up, Oklahoma's coach Coach Ship
3: was right there, waiting, ready on, ready and waiting. So. Yeah, for me, I didn't, like I said, I didn't take
1: my visit to USC, but that's who it came down to was uh, between USC and Oklahoma. Um, Of course, chose Oklahoma. One, I'm a family guy, so being close to my family um, was something that I wanted to make sure I was able to do, wanted to make sure my parents would be able to see me, you know, play within the years that came uh, following. And at the time, um, USC was, I mean, right there with OU getting ready to, Change the landscape of everything. Um, I know that myself and Dwayne Jarrett was also being recruited highly by USC at the time. He actually committed. Um, but knowing that, I think at the around that time, I, the closest family, actual family member that I had as far as a resource was in Oakland, California. And I know that's a little ways away from, you know, LA area. So I was just like, I just don't think it'll truly work out. But then again, not taking a visit, never really knowing. But there's a reason why I didn't take that visit, because some reason the only visit I took was to Oklahoma and that was the only place I needed to be. So never regret it. Um, If I had to do it again, would I take all three visits? Yes. Do I think it would change my mind on me committing? Not at all. Not one bit.
2: Yeah, I, I, I committed. I took I went to Texas. I went to Colorado. Then I went to Oklahoma. And when I came home, I said I'm done. The next, week, the next week, I was supposed to go to Arkansas. No, UCLA. I was supposed to go to UCLA. And uh, the following week, I was going to go to Arkansas. Because I didn't want to go too far from home, like you said. Um, and Oklahoma's right on the threshold, six hours away from Houston. So, it played right into the And it had a bunch of Texas
3: guys, uh, a trough of Texas guys. So,
0: Yeah, so... You. I'm glad you mentioned that about USC because I think a lot of people, especially those my age that can't stand USC now, kind of don't really know that USC did used to be one of the premier programs in college football. And not even that long ago, like when we were born. So um, it's interesting to see that now. But you guys played in a lot of great games in your time. I know you played in some bowl games, you played in some, um, some national championships. Uh, you know they they may not have had the best outcome, but you got the experience, won some Big Twelve titles, but individually, what were you guys' favorite games that you played in?
3: Definitely have to say Oklahoma State two thousand seven at their place, bedlam.
2: That was it was a a damn good game for us, and uh, one of my better games. Uh, personally for my family I, we played Baylor at Baylor and I had two sacks
3: and a safety so that was a good game but that Oklahoma State game phew, we were fired up. Sorry I got a little visit in, in the room now so you may
1: hear some extra noise but um, I'd absolutely have to say <laughs> I'd absolutely have to say, um, there's two games for me. Um, One would be the, I believe it was the 2008 game. I believe everybody's going to agree. But I would say when we played Texas Tech at OU, um, Texas Tech was ranked number one at the time. I believe we were two or three, and we played them at home. And that's the game where they played uh, House of Pain. And we had literally almost every single fan was jumping up and down that game. Um, And then the second game is, uh, unfortunately, uh, for me, I would have to say the um, Boise State Bowl game. Uh, That was probably one of the better games that I had as far as statistically. Um, I mean, overall, I think it was probably the most emotional game I've ever been a part of. Personally, and ever watched. Um, I don't know if anyone else feels that way. I'm sorry, Zo. I know it's it, it's a very touchy subject. I trust me, I know. But again, he. This is my personal thoughts. Okay.
3: Yeah, very
1: <laughs> But I mean, th- those would be the you know the two oh, games that I would say that um, for me, I would think would be the best, and I you know definitely had the most emotions in.
2: Yeah, statistically, that was one of your better games, Q. I I remember that. I do. And that (laughs) was a state game. Like, well, we're going to go to that game. We're going to go to our grave with that game.
1: yeah. If I can tell you that I've – I don't know if I'm I'm the only one. I have literally yet to watch that game. Neither have I. And when it comes on, like, the ESPN Classic, like, highlights, I just – I don't do it on purpose my finger, like change the channel just like quick. And I was like, oh, let me go oh,
2: back I, and then it's gone. I don't have to watch it because I know when it's on because I always get text messages. Hey, <laughs> to <think they>
1: <laughs> <Well, laughs> hey. make matters worse, got to remember, it happened here in Arizona. Yeah, true. Yeah, I got a few people that I work with that were called that game.
2: No, hold on. So wait, I told my wife this, this story the other day. So you know, being a scout, I get to travel all over and go on to universities. So
3: four years ago, I go to Boise State for the first time ever. Take a left, take another right, go into their uh, weight room. There is a big
2: poster of me chasing oh, buddy, in the hook and ladder.
3: Running.
2: <laughs> you talk about you talking about ruining my day. I, still help. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to tear that damn picture down so bad. <laughs> all y'all all y'all players
3: suck today. <laughs> Nobody you, gets ground. Was... Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen that play a few times. I I've seen you on it, but I haven't mentioned it yet. So. Oh man. Oh uh, man. it's out there now. But um so it's pretty funny because we actually have a, well, I don't, but I know being on uh, Soonershoop.com, there's actually a running joke when it comes to bowl games <laughs> that because of that big Boise State bowl game you had, they have an unofficial award for the best player in a bowl game called the Courtney Chaney. <laughs> award. A lot of people still do remember that. And it actually is what asked that question. But, um, That's so, funny. That's we, fun. hold on to
1: to cut you off, but I'm not gonna lie. Now we won. I thought I was gonna win the win the MVP. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm. will be very honest. I, listen, I'm not the one to ever think like that. But that game was probably the only game I ever thought that yeah, in man. my
3: life.
1: Ever. coming out party.
3: I was like, if, if we win this game, I'm
1: gonna win the MVP. Yeah. And then we lost, and I just sat there and I was cramping. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Johnny, but I, I had to had to yeah I had to had to give that one
0: out. Yeah, it's all good. So even though, so lucky for you guys. I mean, every year you end up going to a bowl game. You went to the Fiesta Bowl, as we mentioned, uh, the Orange Bowl, I believe, with the mm-hmm. national championship tied into that, and then a few others. So, what was your favorite bowl trip? Uh, That's uh,
3: hard for me because so I was a- for me. I was
2: was a part of two national championship teams. Uh, LSU, um, we lost at the Sugar Bowl against LSU, and then back-to-back went to the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl was fun. Um, New Orleans was personal for me because my entire family is from New Orleans. So uh, that that had its own value to it for me. But that Orange Bowl, I think probably – I know we won the party. I know that. <laughs> we definitely won the party. Cause I remember, Q, you remember,
1: that was your freshman year. Hey, let, let me tell my story about that one. Okay.
2: okay? So, so, I know we, uh,
1: <laughs> the
2: comedy, there was a comedy show that we had to go to with mm-hmm. USC. And they showed up late because their party, I think their plane was late or something. So we were already at the comedy show and we were already loose, having fun. And man, them dudes came in there and was, didn't crack a smile at a comedy show. I was like, ooh. <laughs> ooh. Ricky <laughs> Smiley
1: was the one doing the jokes.
2: Sure, Ricky Smiley. That's right. Sure was. And that's Reggie Bush, Matt Liner, all of them. and They wasn't cracking. Glendale White, they wasn't cracking a smile.
1: Nah, yeah, I remember that. I, I, yeah, that was,
3: uh, yeah. And yeah. I remember sneaking,
2: that us sneaking off, us sneaking off to like Cocoa, Be- uh, not Cocoa. What is that? Uh, not Cocoa Beach, but it's uh like coconut, oh. grove. Coconut, coconut
3: grove.
2: Coconut grove. Yeah, yeah, coconut grove. We snuck away and party, party, eat bass. It just <laughs> we was living good. <laughs> <At a laughs> <summer party. laughs> we thought we, thought we made it. Oh, we made it. Yeah, we think we made it. Cause then Willie Rowe, Willie Rowe was from there. Davin was from there. Lenar. Lainar was from
1: there.
2: we yeah, we was tied in tough. And then yeah, we, went, we, that, we went we went to that uh flea market.
3: Oh in the in the hood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Things got real tight real quick.
1: Yeah yeah we were we were acting like real uh miami dade citizens that yeah. and not even not even close to it uh for me the two bowl games that I would say i mostly enjoyed um definitely just like zone, the two national championships so uh for me it was my retro freshman year when we played u s c uh, the national championship game um at that time I was still very immature um Mischievous, at the to say the least, to the point where um, I have no problem talking about this. I have no problem saying it because I forgot about it. Yeah, I didn't get to go
3: to the game because I got um, caught out past. Not well, we was in the room for curfew,
1: but went out after curfew and got caught out after curfew trying to come back. So yeah, didn't get the didn't get to enjoy the game. Um, I know I probably had a bad mindset, but when I saw the score at halftime, I felt better than everybody else. I was on the sideline freezing. So I didn't feel too bad that I didn't go to the game. You know, I felt, I felt bad for my guys watching on TV. You know, they had no jackets at the time. They just, you know, Coach Stoops wasn't about that. So everybody's out there shivering. I'm in mean, the hotel room warm. feel bad.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then, of course, the national championship my senior year, uh, 2009, when we played Florida national championship uh those were I mean for me <laughs> absolutely you know two of the best ball games that I would say that being a part of just because it's a national championship to say the least you know not many teams um are worth that opportunity and to say that I had the opportunity to go to two national championships in five years four true BCS bowl games in five years um I mean that's during that time, that was that was really unheard of. I mean, that was that was unheard of for a team to be as consistent as we were to actually make it to a top bowl game. You know, so for me, I mean, I definitely my freshman year and senior year, the two national championship games.
2: And I always tell people, "Q, the offset of that, the offset of that was four Big Twelve championships." Yes, I mean, so
1: four Big Twelve championships. Four BCS Bowl game, two national championships. I mean, we still went to the Holiday Bowl in that one year and played Oregon, which was kind of a redemption game. Right. Because we lost to them during that season when they uh, said that – Stole, they stole a game. On- yeah, they stole a game. and said he didn't recover the onside kick, which everybody can put the photo to this day and see the man's holding the football right next to the ref and the ref's not looking at
2: him. Shout out to the real AP, Alan Patrick.
1: Yeah. Yeah, most people don't know that's the real AP. AD is AD. The
3: AP, that's AP. Alan Patrick, baby. Yes, sir. Shout out to AP. <laughs> South Carolina boy.
0: Yeah, we're we're hoping to get back to that stage soon. Uh, as far as national championships and stuff, they'll come in due time. So um, next up, I really just want to know, you know, you guys played in Oklahoma at a time where – as we mentioned, there was a lot of winning going on. There was a lot of championships. And it sounds like the experience of being an OU football player at the time was incredible. But, you know, from from you guys' mouth, what was it like being a football player at the University of Oklahoma? Just overall, the experience playing, uh, going to class, of course, being out in the city, being on campus, just the, the whole nine yards.
1: Um, for me, the first thing that comes to mind – that was a mindset and that was a statement by almost everybody on the team um, is that we were Schmitty built. That was a true mindset to where um, I think we took that inning everywhere, whether he was in a supermarket, he's at the bar, he's at the club. Um, you had a mentality that the work you just put in, nobody can really do anything to you because, you know, you just You just worked out with Schmitty, you know, and that was a, it was a mindset and it was a culture that was embedded from day one that I saw. Um, I know I have my ups and downs and guys push me like crazy, you know, cuss me out. But another thing that I learned to realize is that what was happening was that the accountability was being held from within the players were holding one another accountable for the things that were needing to be done. They were needing to get done and understanding the sacrifice that needed to be made. And some people just, you know, at times didn't grasp that full concept. Um, But just being there and having the success we were able to have, it ultimately gave you the confidence to know, you know, once you step in that field, the other 10 guys that's on the same side as you are going to give everything they have for you just as much as you're going to give for them, and the same thing on the defense side. When I wasn't on the field, looking on the field and seeing those eleven guys on defense, knowing that okay, somebody's about to get rocked and popped real soon because I've known and I see these guys at practice every day. I mean, they to me they were the best, the best of the best in the nation, period, point blank. So when they say that you know iron sharpens iron, that was a true epitome of it when. For me, at my time at OU, I literally saw
3: iron getting sharpened every single day.
2: Yeah, Q makes (laughs) some more five points right there. and I think uh, for me, when it sunk in, the magnitude of what we were in was after losing that national championship to LSU. And it was, I will never forget the silence in that locker room after we lost and walked to the locker room. It was deafening. And my locker was a few slots away from Ronaldo Works, who was my host. So you naturally gravitate to the people that hosted you throughout your career while they're there. And I just remember him with his hands on his knees and looked up to me and said, he, he told me, he said, I'm sorry, bro. and I didn't play a lick. I was on scout team the whole season. And he looked up to me and said, I'm sorry, bro. And I just like, what? And he said, Man, I just wanted to get you one, a a real, you know, he said, I want to get you a cheap one, you know? Like just that quick one. And that I think the magnitude of what we were in hit me right then and there. And understanding the work that it would take to
3: get back there. And Understanding that the the work had to go through Jerry Smitty. And to Q's point of us being Smitty built, every
2: class has that bond. And that bond is fortified through Jerry Smith. And I believe to this day, he wanted it
3: like that. He wanted us against him because he wanted he wanted Everything that he put us through physically, mentally, spiritually to be the hardest thing we ever did. So
2: that the easiest thing would be to go out there and play on Saturday. That's my belief because he played a lot of games that didn't make sense. But I think it was all so that it was a us versus him. And, you know, we can we have countless stories of of wanting to quit wanting to throw in the towel,
3: overcoming whatever it is that he put us through, and on the other side of it, being rewarded. And I think about the brotherhood that I have for those five years
2: with a Q Cheney, with a Tristan Ross, with a Darian Williams, John Williams. Uh, I could go along, long, Corey Bennett's. Steve Coleman, Jonathan Jackson, Ronaldo works, uh, Curtis
3: Lofton, Austin English. I mean, we are family. And I I travel a lot for work,
2: and I was able to stay at Q's house because in in Arizona because that's my brother, and if he needed a somewhere to lay his head, same thing goes here. And I'm getting deep because. You know when the lights and we turn off and we have to turn in our gear. What what are we left with? And I think that Jerry Smith did a great job. I don't know if he really knew what he was doing for like life after football, but uh, everything else was just a plus, man. But though that friendship and that locker room and those summers and fighting against him. Hey Q, when you come out of those workouts, hey, what what was the workout? <laughs>
1: hey, what you what you, what y'all do? Y'all 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 do ramps? Y'all ran hills, no? All right, what was hey. y'all time? Oh, like you asking man. questions So, I'm asking oh. questions to the lineman group, and I'm not doing the same workout as the lineman, but I gotta find out. Like yeah, oh it, my, goodness.
2: you're right. So you're right. Then, like all the you know the the offset of that hard work were the championships, were the winning games, were the high ranking teams was playing with. Heisman Trophy winner was playing with first round pick, and uh, I think that was the offset of the culture that we had, you know, been a part of, helped build and maintain.
1: Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right about that. Um, just to add to that, I think what you what you mentioned about uh, Coach Schmidt, Jerry Schmidt, now with me, you know, coaching high school things like that. I sit and think sometimes about the things I'm about to tell my, tell the players and ask them. Right. And I've always come to this part. and Is that what we want? Is that what we want big dog? And it's, and it's, and I'm like, I'm like, did I just ask that? But the thing is, is that I sit and think. And that question that he would ask us, just that simple question, is that what we want big dog? And you sit there and be like, well, no. Okay. We'll just get it done. He's like, what? What? Just get it done. And I understand what what he meant by that. Regardless of what you had to do, just get it done. I don't care if you got to come in at 4 a.m. to do Stairmaster, get it done. I don't care how tired you are at the end of practice, just get it done. Because once you get it done, it's over with. You don't have to worry about me. You don't have to worry about coming back, doing it again. And that is something that has stuck with me since the first time I heard him ask me, is that what we want, big dog? (laughs) Well, let's just get it done. (laughs) And it's, I mean, the the mind games and everything was just to really make you mentally strong, knowing that a lot of things you do comes from the the mental capacity that you have to push through. It's not always physical. It's what can your mental thoughts and what can you tell yourself and your body, I can do this, I can keep going. And that's something that has ultimately always, always be something I'll always keep with me. And it's definitely a a must-have if you ever deal with Smitty. I'm sure those guys that had him at A and M, they, I'm I'm almost sure they probably felt the same way.
2: Oh, no doubt. I talk to him every every year at the combine. Hey, how was Smitty? Oh, I'll just say Smitty Bill. They be like, Hey, how you know about that? Hey, hey, it's an exclusive. It's an exclusive. exclusive,
0: Yeah, yeah. it's very (laughs) exclusive. (laughs) Q, I thought it was it was great that you mentioned that because somebody had said it this off season or last off season. When when Schmitty came back, they were talking about how you know his whole thing, and you actually just put it perfectly with what you said towards the end. They were saying that his whole thing is basically he's not putting you through this because he wants to. he's mm-hmm. doing it because he's he's trying to to build it up in your mind that you can make it through this. You can you can something that Dabo Swinney used to say at Clemson. You can embrace the suck. You can embrace you know, the, the, the toughness and you can get through it. And it's basically just training your mind more than your body to understand that you can, because when it comes to, you know, you're in the fourth quarter and it's a hundred degrees and it's a close game. And, you know, you're getting close to making a mental mistake, whether it's a penalty or something like that, that costs the team. That's a difference is whether or not you're mentally tough. And so it's great that they have that back now because a big complaint among the fan base has been, over the past few years since Schmidty left the strength and conditioning side of things. And now that you have that back, it's, it's, it's been a, jo- I mean, it was a joy for everybody to see. So um, I do want to talk a little bit more though about, and we'll, we'll get to a little bit more Schmidty at the end, but I want to talk some now about Brent Venables. And uh, Zoe, you would have been around him more because you're a defensive guy, but just for the people out there, can you tell us what, what was Brent Venables like during his first stint in Norman?
3: Incredib- incredibly intense and incredibly smart. Uh,
2: even as a defensive front guy, okay, with my hand in the dirt, I knew more than the average defensive line because Coach Venables would have a meeting with us uh, every, I think it was, yeah, Friday. When all the other, uh, Friday before the game, excuse me, and all the other position coaches were usually out on the road recruiting. So he would just meet with the defense, which I know he salivated over because he could
3: control every piece of it. And you better be ready for a Brent Venables question. And he would try to trick you, he
2: would give you the wrong answer and then try to get you to agree with it. And if you answered the wrong way, you get your butt chewed out.
3: And so you couldn't BS him. You had to be prepared and be ready. And uh I, that's the first two you
2: know adjectives that come with me, come to mind when I think about Brent Little is his intelligence and his intensity. And they were it was a perfect match uh because you knew you were gonna be prepared and he put you through the ringer mentally so that by the time game day came, you knew what was coming and you were playing that much faster. Uh, And if I felt like that as a defensive defensive lineman, those linebackers, well, I mean, no, no discredit to anyone else I played with, but Curtis Lofton, he was incredible because you felt like it was BV with a sprinkle of, you know, himself. Curtis had a great mind for the game, has a great mind for the game, but you knew it was coming straight straight from BV and then through the eyes of Curtis to where he could formulate it to where I could understand it. Granger could understand it. Gerald McCoy could understand it. Austin English could understand it. And then we could go play fast. So those are the two things that best describe him. Um, Uh, I think I do have a little bit more to add because as a scout, I scouted Clemson for the last four years. So I saw BV out there um, and we had a lot of conversations. And so I do think that that word patience that I mentioned earlier, it comes with a little more weight because I'm of the perspective that
3: this is a first year head coach, right? That has been a coordinator his entire career. And he is he is forming through his eyes and his vision what he wants this thing
2: to look like. And he's populated data points from Coach Stoops, from Coach uh, Sweeney, uh, from everyone that he's worked with up until now to make this thing how he sees fit. So, uh, Jalen, how you mentioned him bringing so much support staff that's huge for that to get integrated the right way to help these young men get to where they need to go. And I did see a lot of that support staff implemented at Clemson, and you can see how it's shifted to where we are now. So I just ask for grace and patience and people to understand that
3: it's, it's, it's the building blocks are here. Um, One word that I would describe, um, Coach BB,
1: I mean, I'm just going to say intense. Um, From me, uh, um, coming in early, uh, being on the scout team, knowing that it was more important for the scout team to do the things right so that his defense could actually get the looks so that he can coach and prepare his team for what's going to happen on Saturdays. Um, When I tell you, I've never had to reload what's called an eight route so many times to ensure that linebacker got over in that area. So by the time we got there on Saturday, that linebacker was there, whether it was Rufus, Curtis, uh, Lance, whoever was there, they'd be ready to either get an interception or get a tackle right there and not gain any yards after the catch. But he's very, very intense to the point to – you have to know who you are as an individual because if not uh he he can he can he can hurt your feelings but in a way that you don't it's not in a way that he's he's trying to it's just you the unfortunate part you just be that individual i mean he's a very intense coach and so you have to be willing to understand that that comes with the territory but also know he is going to give you every single answer to the test or the quiz you're going to ha- that you're gonna be taking because he knows it. And if you listen to him, you you will pass. And I would definitely say that you know him coming in, it's gonna be intense. It's going to be changed. Um, the support that he's bringing in to create the culture that he sees fit from the places that he's been, that knows, you know that those are successful places he's been. It's only right for him to, you know, adjust and make those changes the right way because it hasn't failed him yet. Wherever he's been, it hasn't failed. So why, why would it fail here? And I think that he's in a he's in a really good position to, like I say, I say, two years after this season. Even and I know this season going to be better than the last season, but year three, I think year three is when things are going to.
3: I guess we're going to have more people back on the bandwagon. I should say.
0: Yeah. And so and see, the thing with that is, and I may have said this on the last episode or I said it somewhere, but look, you look at a lot of these teams that had some turnarounds this year. And even a perfect example of that is a team who just played in the national championship on Monday night. Now, although they got destroyed, they ended up being five and seven last year and turned it around and went to a national championship. And so when you look at Oklahoma, it's like you've got a guy running the program that. Winning is in his DNA. He knows what it's like to be at the top of the mountain. He's coached in eight national championship games, and it won three of them. And on top of that, each program that he's been at has gone through something like this before. Because when he was at Kansas State, they were a dead program. They ended up rising to the top, being one of the best teams in the country at one point. Of course, when he got to Oklahoma, that was a part of the, you know, Bob Stoops first came in. We know how that story goes. And then, even when he got to Clemson, Clemson wasn't Clemson. They are they are they were not what they are now. And when he got there and he turned that defense around, that's when they start winning all these ball games and start going to the playoffs and start going to national championship games. It was mainly that defense that was carrying them. I mean, he had a top ten defense five, six straight years out there. So it's hard for me to to not look at it now and not think that this thing is not heading in the right direction because we know the history with that. And obviously you guys know it being around. him. Yeah. It's kind of funny because it's like with BV, even when you, like if you just look at him face to face, you can see just how intense he is without really seeing it. You just see it in his eyes. I mean, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I remember being at the camp this offseason that he had and he walked, he walks in, he wasn't there most of the time, but he walks in at one point walks over close to my group, which is, was the receivers, and he's just standing there, arms crossed, staring right at us. And all that's going through my head is, don't drop this pass, don't drop this pass, don't drop this pass, because <laughs> the headball coach is right here. And at that point, I had met BV. He knew who I was. I actually told him that I knew you guys and built that connection. I actually just saw him this past Sunday. And, you know, on top of being a great coach, he's just a genuine dude. And it's easy to see why everybody has nothing but great things to say about him. And you see why so many people believe in him. Not one person you ask around that program is going to say that he's not the right guy for this job. So everybody has reason to believe why things are heading in the right direction. But um, so moving past that. A question for you guys. So Q, you were receiver. Zoe, you were D lineman. Since you guys left Oklahoma. Who is your favorite player to play your position? And really, you can say since you've left and then also kind of revert it to all time. At OU or just in general? So actually, I'll rephrase that. So your favorite player at your position since you've left and then also your favorite player of all time can be at your position, too.
3: Hmm. Great question. Yeah, that is. Um, I go so for me, when I left, it was Frank Alexander. Uh, he's, uh, I think it was University Lab out of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Big, physical, heavy-handed, great motor, knew how to finish
2: on backside plays by running them down. Very good vision, block recognition. Uh, he could hat in hands, pause penetration. Uh, he, his game was just really good all around. And all time, ooh. Like, so it doesn't have to be my
0: position all time? So it can be, but but really just like all time, like we're saying NFL, all that included.
3: All
2: time, because I just respected his game, Jamal Brown. <laughs> <laughs> JB, man JB was JB he was the last, To me, he was the last Now, don't get me wrong cute. I mean, Trent, Trent Williams is in the class by himself but yeah. but Jamal Brown was the last of the mm-hmm. Moh- of the Mohicans as far as just nasty, gritty uh, old, school, old,
3: old lineman so he'd probably be my favorite of all time I, I, yeah, that's JB. Yeah, that was uh,
1: he's what you call a nasty dog.
3: Yeah, buddy.
1: Yeah, you big, don't get to him. You know.
2: His nickname was Big Prison. Big <laughs> 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 B. B. And I think personally too, because I, I went, I went against JB every day. So for two years, because I was scout
3: team. So, JB was a beast. Long, physical, could run. You're right about
1: that. For me, I'd say as far as the uh, wide receiver position since I've left, and even, I mean, he was there when I was there, and I had to say Ryan Burles. Um Just seeing the things that he was able to do, granted in practice and on the field, um, granted setting, I mean, all-time NCAA records, he just had a knack for yak, I should say that, because he always, he got yards. He always got some type of yards when he caught the ball. And this is a funny story, because uh, the year that he had the red shirt, um, I'm sure Curtis may not really appreciate this story, because it's about him, but we had a bowl game practice in the indoor. And uh, Ryan caught a, I believe it was either a screen, a little swing pass or something like that. But he was running full speed. And I've never seen anybody do this, actually. And he was literally running full speed. And, you know, Curtis is sideline to sideline. His, I man so fast. Well, he got there so quick and Ryan literally put the brakes on. And you know how Neil in the matrix stops and leans back? When I tell you, and I'm not joking. Ryan literally ran full speed, stopped, leaned all the way back with this ball in his hand, put his hand down, let Curtis go over him, pushed his step back up, and
3: kept running. And I said, whenever he gets on the field, he's going to be a problem.. Ooh. And he was. he was
1: to that I would have to say Ryan Bros is probably one of the it's probably was, was probably my favorite wide receiver since since we, I left OU. And my favorite all the time. It's number eighty-four, Randy Moss. I will argue with him against anybody. I don't care. I'll put him up against primetime. He's gonna win. I'm sorry. He runs just as fast as Dion. You can't. You can't beat six, six four, six five with a four two four three. I don't care. I'm sorry. Randy Moss,
3: favorite all time.
0: I definitely agree with that. One.
3: Got it. got his jersey over here on my chair. <laughs>
0: So, so this question really is specifically for you real quick, because I know, and even I've been kind of wondering this. So um, Marvin Mims enters the draft last, last week, Uh, Eric Gray, probably the team MVP in 2022, also going to the draft and you being the, the scout and kind of working in that area. Where do you see these guys landing in the draft, not teams, but as far as, you know, day, uh, or, or round? <clears throat>
3: yeah, so starting with Eric Gray, he uh, helped himself
2: tremendously as the season continued. I thought he got stronger game by game. Uh, with, he's just such, he has such a unique skill set of vision, feet, feel, and burst. Uh, along with contact balance, so I could definitely see him going you know one mid mid round definitely a mid round guy uh day two is definitely in his sights depending on uh how the spring goes for him because there's so many different parts of the process
3: from uh the combine to uh, is he a senior ball guy
0: i believe he is i don't i don't I
3: think-
2: I
0: think because I, mean, I don't think he's a senior. Well, uh, he's, yeah, he, I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, I'm so confused what senior is now because of COVID. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm in the business, but uh, <laughs> he, um, yeah, I definitely can see him getting into that as being a, a day two guy because of uh, how and then how oh. he tests and then the person you hear how uh, he rave reviews about his character, how he is as a worker, and I can tell you that. That holds a lot of weight in our business because you want a guy that's going to come in right away and work as a rookie. As far as Marvin goes, we all know what his traits are. I mean, he is a speed demon. Uh, I, I hated it for him as the season went that him and Gabe were kind of weren't connecting, uh, but you really saw the connection, what it could do for the offense when they did uh, get in line with each other in the ball game. So that was really good to see. I could see him getting into uh, being a day-two guy as well because we're always looking for speed. Uh, he has good hands. He can track the ball over his uh, over his head. Uh, his route running will still need some development. Q might agree with me there. Uh, but as far as what he could come in and do on teams and uh, inject your team, your overall team speed, I definitely could see him getting into a, being a day-two guy as well.
0: So, just real quick on this. So, you mentioned uh, how they test, and this is really something I'm wondering personally. So, how important, like, how crucial is is it when it comes to drafting? When it comes to drafting a guy, how crucial is it looking at how they test at pro day or at the combine? Because, like, the first person that comes to mind for me is Orlando Brown, who currently plays tackle for the Chiefs, and I mean, be flat out honest, he tested terribly at the combine. And he's been a Pro Bowl lineman every year of his career. So how much does that stuff truly matter when it comes to picking a player?
3: Yeah, that's a great question.
2: As a scout and a front office personnel, you're really just looking for confirmation. Is the play speed, is what you saw on film or in person at games, is that, does that align with what the player tested, uh, how fast they tested in the spring? Now, there are tremendous amount of factors that go into that. Guy, you know, you don't, you're not playing football. You're just running 40 yards. Uh, a lot of prospects are weighing, aren't weighing what they weigh in the fall. They're weighing a little less so that they can run faster. And we take all that into account. So I won't say it's critical, you're just looking for confirmation, and I say confirmation because it's not the end-all, be-all. A guy can run slow; he could have a sore hamstring; he could have overtrained. Uh, I was a big fan of a guy by the name of T. Higgins
3: coming out of Clemson. He had um, a bad hamstring for his pro day. He was told
2: not to run; he still ran, and I think he might have ran a four-seven, but. And we see what T. Higgins is today. So it's not the end-all be-all. It's just a litmus test on, okay, is he what you thought he was? Now, if a guy comes out there and runs slower, what is the reasoning for that? Is he hurt? Uh, is he just, is he a, a, a gamer? You know, some guys just run faster on game day because it's, it's play speed. They got a ball in their hand. They're chasing people. They're running away from other people. So. It's it's not the end all be all. Um, it's just a litmus test on and confirmation
3: on you know who, what you may have seen in the fall. Because at the end of the day, the teams that draft well stay true to what they saw in the fall.
0: Gotcha. So um, this is the last question, and this is for both of you. And you guys talked about it a little bit earlier in the episode, but I think the fan favorite when it comes to having former players on an OU football show is they want to know some stuff about Jerry Schmidt. So we got to know. We got to hear some Schmitty stories, uh, be it workouts or even just a little bit about what you guys talked about earlier about him as a person and stuff like that. But I'll just throw it off the glass and let you guys go ahead and dunk it.
2: Yeah, so let me go. <laughs> my all time favorite Smitty story. Okay, let me sit up. Let me sit up.
3: <laughs> summer workout. And so obviously we can say names. So I feel. Oh, <laughs> it, it, I think this is the one I think I just talked about. Uh, man,
2: so it's, we're working out and it's very tough for my man, Calvin Tilbado. And it, it is – It is. he's having the time, okay? He is struggling, hands on his knees, and that's a cardinal sin for Jerry Smith. Don't put your, on, and don't put your hands on your knees in between reps.
3: Put them on your head.
2: Put them over your head. You can cross your legs. You can walk around. Don't put your hands on your knees.
3: So, Tib, he is putting his hands on his knees. And – Coach Smitty is, oh, uh, he's
2: agitated this day, okay? So he reminds Tib about two or three times, all right? And so that third time, he
3: tells Tib to get out. So he's kicking him out of the workout. And so we we as a group rebel against Coach Smitty. And we say, and
2: some explicative words were used. We said, no, nah, he ain't going nowhere. No, nah, he with us. He with us. No, nah, he ain't going nowhere. And so Smitty kind of, I could kind of tell he was like, he was, he was mad, but he was proud too. And so uh Tib, you know, gathers himself and goes to the next rep. And he bends over again. And so <laughs> So then, so then Smitty turns on the whole group and said,
3: Oh, y'all get out.
2: <laughs> but when I tell you, and when I tell you, we
3: all turned on Tim. <laughs> now you got to go, bro. <laughs> uh,
2: it was such a quick 180. <laughs> it is that is the funniest Jerry Smith. And I we got a ton of them, but that's my all time favorite.
1: Mine is gonna have to be with me. It has involved me, and um, of course, of summer workouts. Um, I think it may have been the first time I-, I touched the ramps. First time I got to the ramps, and uh, I didn't make it. So you know, go ahead, leave Q. No, I want go ahead, so I, you know swallowed my pride and left. Didn't think none of it went to practice. You know. Uh, whatever we had that evening, 707s. Oh,
3: you know he I'm huh? Okay. You know, he, ain't say, he didn't say come
1: back. He didn't say come back later. He was like, leave, please. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm good. Well, no, I wasn't. I should have I went back. I didn't go back. So I decided to wait till the next morning. <laughs> Got dressed. And it's probably the... <laughs> Probably the funniest, it's not the funniest statement, but it was the funniest statement to me because I heard it a few times because I just never gave up. And, you know, you don't make it to work out the previous day. He'd tell you to come back at, you know, at four o'clock and do it, whatever, okay? you didn't give me that option. I just came back the next morning. And as soon as he called up, all right, let's go. And he saw me. He said, hold on.
3: <laughs> Q, leave, please. <laughs> 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 I'm standing there fully dressed I'm ready to go I'm like huh? Leave please I was like for what? Leave please I said Coach Schmidt leave please that's all I got <laughs> I left came back later on Coach Schmidt why'd you you didn't get it done big dog just come on back in the evening let's get it done of course even with that line is that what we want? is that what we want big dog? just
1: no, all right. Well, let's just get her done. It's like, I said bad word, and I came back. I didn't make it. I didn't make the workout. I got kicked out for the rest of the week. But yeah, I got I got the leave. Please, it was a very it was a it was like the most polite way to tell somebody to get the hell out of this workout because you're not going to do it, and if you try to do it, I'm making everybody leave.
3: Oh. Yeah, so
1: leave, please was was my funnest funniest thing that I've heard. Other than um, I think that one time when this is a story I was told. You may have been in that workout group when uh, Aldi was telling Schmitty, no, when he's letting down the garage door.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. That was so funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> he kicked the whole group out. He
1: kicked
3: everyone out.
1: Outside, though. He kicked you out outside the, the yeah. weight room. Out yeah. the garage door. I had to walk around the entire Everest just to get to the
2: front kicked everybody out because somebody oh, wasn't doing something. That kicked
1: and, out the back door and had to walk around to the front.
2: They tried to they tried to go run after Smitty because after he kicks you out the workout, he runs off too now. Oh, yeah. And so Al D chased after him
3: <laughs> and he closed that garage door. On. <laughs> sitting, sitting on. <laughs> I I ain't give a damn. I'm all right. He kicked me. All right, we gone, man. Shit, <laughs>
1: I got the rest of my day ahead of me. Right. I got I gotta go to class, I gotta study hall. I'll see him later.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I told I told Drew yeah. last week I I was taking notes for all of this. So um <laughs> actually, <laughs> until we're until we're down that road. But um so I, I do wanna know this just for the last one. So it doesn't have to be like a specific workout, but what was probably the worst like lift or uh conditioning or something that Schmidty had for y'all.
1: Running Mount Schmidt in the damn weight pants. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's that's the that 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 gives me nightmares thinking
3: about it. Bro.
2: And then one time he had he had those sham busters on Mount yeah, Oh mm-hmm. yep. one
3: legs. Yes. With the weight pants. Yes.
1: To throw the weights in the in the gutters and walking and you're trying to pull weights out your pants and put them in the bushes on your way over there. <sighs> but then you had to turn the weight pants back in. And uh what was, was Billy? Was it Billy that collected no. the Billy? Yeah. yeah, he had to figure out where all the weights were. Came back the next morning. Every damn pa- every damn pants had weights in them again.
2: Oh bro, those those weight pants were the worst.
1: And they weren't, they weren't, and they didn't fit, first Mm-mm.
2: off. Mm-mm. And then don't let you be. You know, later in the day, later workout group, they all sweaty and nasty, hot, and hot.
3: Yeah, that was. Yeah, really I think no Mount. Reason. Yeah,
2: anything.
3: Mount, Mount Schmidt, man. If you've never
1: been over there to Mount Schmidt, I don't. Know, it's, it's probably the still pond. there. The duck pond. The duck pond. Yeah, it's a placard at the top of that hill. That's his hill. It's yeah. called Mount Schmidt.
2: Now, I can remember my first workout. And it was just the conditioning part. I thought it was over and I was done.
1: It was the
3: beginning. <laughs> and then we the ran into the room.
2: workout. We ran into the weight room and it was like, all right, get on the platform. Oh, we got more. <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: God. <laughs> and then you came out the weight room.
2: You don't know, remember Tim. Tim, you would Tim was uh he he would work with women's basketball. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. Tim and man, Tim was on my rack. I, I lay, I lay down on the rack.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I ain't had nothing left. That was my freshman year. Was, oh my god. Yeah, I had a yeah. My
1: I had one of those. And I, again, it was my freshman year too. We was doing conditioning before we went to the weight room, and I had never conditioned like this or ran, and I caught myself standing there, telling but I can't see, <laughs> All I was remember, I don't know who it was. It was upper, it may have been Bradley or MC or somebody. It was one of the upper upper wide ass that said, open your damn eyes, fool. That's yeah. why you can't see. <laughs> yeah. That's how tired yeah. I was. I didn't know my eyes were closed.
2: Hey, who was that he told didn't have a hamstring? Like, hey, Coach Smitty is uh he don't his hamstring is hurt. He doesn't have a hamstring
3: damn hamstring. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> I think, I think. Oh was that your joke? I don't know, cause you know he had hamstring problems like
2: crazy. Yeah, he did, man. I don't know. And then my first exposure to the ramp i know we're rambling right now, but so we running up those ramps. But see, them boys, these boys don't know nothing about the old
1: school. They don't got that parking garage ramps that they run up.
2: Yeah, remember we used used to fighting for that inside line. Boys was really old, elbowing boys like jogging jock- position, yeah. cause you know the quickest. It's the inside lane,
3: the you had that place. wall. You can grab yourself and sling yourself around,
2: bro. And so, my <laughs> freshman year, I'm going down. You know, for the rest time,
3: it's mm-hmm. going
2: down, And Dare Straight and Brandon Everett are sitting on the Gator, like on level three, just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dang, y'all not going to go down? Hey, hey, freshman, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs>
3: hey, <laughs> dang. <laughs> God, oh, man. Man. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think the good thing is now that uh, I wouldn't say he's changed, but just based off of the players I talked to and stuff like that, they say he's a little less uh, intense because of compliance and NCAA rules and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of that stuff he's not allowed to do anymore. So, um, but, it, but it's still not easy. I mean, I, I like I remember last year when he first got back, the first winter workout he had, I, I was uh, texting some players and I was like, how was it? And they said, yeah, he's he's the truth. So uh, these guys are not lying when they tell these stories. But um, fellas, I appreciate you guys joining. Um, for those of y'all listening, like I said, we're going to try to do a lot of these roundtables throughout the season with former players and, uh, you know, we'll try to do it as often as possible leading up to the season. But, uh, once again, fellas, I appreciate you guys coming on. And I know the fans will appreciate this. Um, man, I mean, this kind of stuff is awesome. Just being able to to, to have former players on and to, to get to have that camaraderie again and talk about their, their playing days and stuff like that. It's really, really cool to see. And I know that the guys were talking about this last week, uh, they're all trying to get together for uh, spring weekend when the spring game comes up in Norman. So, um, you know, I'll, of course, I'll be there with my pops. So hoping to see y'all there. But uh, once again, man, thank you guys for joining. Yeah,
2: thank you for having us. And I hey, think
0: Absolutely.
3: I,
2: I don't know about the rest of Sooner Nation, but I think you provide a great service and connecting us with um, the fans and the fans with us and all that you do, man, it doesn't go unnoticed. And we appreciate you as
0: well, Jalen. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That's the goal yeah. too. Hey man,
1: I absolutely uh will, you know, repeat those same same things that Alonzo said. Um granted I didn't once I found out that you were the one behind the uh sooner Daily account, it I think I was proud more than anything. Um knowing you from a baby, little baby, um, to <laughs> so what you're developing. And continue to grow. Um, granted, you're still also playing sports and being able to um, do what you're doing. I think that you're you're light years ahead of yourself for what you're doing. Uh, don't stop. And just know that you have a gift that you're tapping into. So continue to tap into it. And I thank you for reaching out, man. Anytime um, you need somebody to hop on, give me a shout. I'll be, I'll do my best to be available for you, but keep it up, man. And I know Sooner Nation is, they have, they have their ups and downs. Of course, they're going to have their opinions about things that you say, yeah. but if they didn't, then I don't think they would be human. And not everything, you know, you report is is always going to be true to facts and always going to come to fruition, but I think what you have, you have a little bit more insight and a truth to things than most people really don't understand. Um, so, hey, keep it up, man. Keep it up.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate I appreciate all that. It means a lot. <laughs> but, uh, fellas, once again, thank you guys for joining. Listeners, thank you guys for listening. Make sure y'all leave a rating and a review. Feedback is always appreciated. And uh, as we get into next week, we should have another former player guest on it probably will be a one on one, so we'll see what happens with there with that as far as scheduling. But thank you guys once again. And we'll see y'all next week.